This is episode 196 of the Beyond the Food Show, and today we're going to discover the power of our intuitive voice beyond intuitive eating. Kelly Covert is our guest, and she calls herself a inner voice coach, which I absolutely love. Stay tuned. Welcome to the Going to Beyond the Food Show. I'm Stephanie Dozier, clinical nutritionist and emotional eating expert, creator of the Going to Beyond the Food Method, and founder of the Going to Beyond the Food Academy. Corporate executive turned health expert with my own journey with weight, body image, and food. It's now my mission to help smart, successful women like you live confidently right now and unconditionally. Ready, sister? Let's do this. Hello, sisters. Welcome back in. July is anniversary month here at Beyond the Food. I mentioned that on our last podcast, we're celebrating eight years in business. It's crazy. Eight years ago, I was building my office literally from a cement wall and cement floor. And I just graduated from our Institute of Holistic Nutrition, which, by the way, I was the Valley Victorian. And I made this speech about the need for us to be the change in the world of nutrition. Oh my God, isn't that the truth? Look at what I do today. I don't practice holistic nutrition in any way, shape, or form that it was taught to me. I created my own way because I saw the need for change. So... Don't say things if you don't want them to happen. I guess it's the lesson on this one. But our first celebration gift offer went out yesterday to our community. And the next one will be going out on the 24th. Now, those two offers last only four days. And they're offers and, I guess, gift that we've never done before and never do again because they're so dramatic that we can't afford to do that too many times. If you're listening to this and you're like, why have I not received that? It's two things. It's probably in your junk, in your spam folder. That's where Google likes to do with our emails and anyone else that does email marketing. So make sure that you go check spam and junk and that you save our email address to your email server. So this way, the next time we send an email, it's going to go right into your mailbox, or it's because you're not part of our community. And if that's the case, you can join our community at stephaniedoza.com slash community or the link in the show notes, and you'll be ready for July 24th. Now today, we're talking about intuitive voice. Intuitive voice is something that in my life, came to serve me greatly. Though at first, I had no idea what it was. If you know a little bit about my journey back 10 years ago, almost today, I collapsed on stage at work and was rushed to the hospital and left the hospital with diagnosis from five different conditions and a long prescription of medication. And walking out of my doctor's office, I had this voice come up in me that says, don't fill the script. There is another way for you. I had no idea this was called my intuitive voice back then, but it was there. Ended up following it against all logical decision. 
I decided to seek natural healing with a naturopath and health coach and so forth, instead of filling the prescription, which worked out well for me. Here I am with a optimum health and I've changed my life completely. That's what the intuitive voice is. So Kelly Covert, our guest today, is an inner voice coach or an intuitive voice coach. And that's her passion because it served her in her own life. And now she helps women achieve big vision, big things in their life by connecting to that wisdom that's inside all of us. So we're going to cover today what is inner voice, intuitive voice, How does it show up in our life? How to tap into it and how to hear that voice is going to teach us concrete exercise that you can do to start hearing that voice and that guidance. And it was a beautiful interview. So you ready to do this? Let's get over to Kelly. Welcome to the show, Kelly. Thanks, Stephanie. I'm so excited to be here with you today. And I am excited to have you on because I think what we're going to talk about today will touch every woman listening, wherever you are in your journey of intuitive eating that you're still contemplating or that you are in it. What Kelly and I are going to talk today is how to take this notion of intuition outside of the framework of body image in food and how to apply it to our life. But most important, how it links to perfectionism, which I think it's fascinating. Mm -hmm. So let me launch you with the word inner voice, because that's how you call this intuitive voice. Can you describe what it is and, and start us from there? Well, thanks, Stephanie. I believe that we all have a deep inner voice and we can call it lots of things. You know, you can call it your intuition. You can call it your gut. You can call it your God. I do believe that it comes from the divine, but I think that regardless of the source, we all have it. And the trickiest thing about inner voices, it's not the only voice that we hear. So oftentimes we have a battling voice, which I call my inner mean girl voice. That is very much a head voice. And that voice, I'm sure everyone listening is familiar with. It's mean. It's, you know, tells you all the things that you do wrong. It tells you how you look wrong, how you weigh wrong, how you are wrong, how you're not good enough, all of those things, how you could have done more, how you should do this and you shouldn't do that. And then our inner voice can often be drowned out by that. But our inner voice is loving and it's compassionate, and it's kind, and it's full of wisdom that helps us move forward instead of criticism that holds us back. And when we start to live by that inner voice, when we really check in with it on a daily basis, that really helps us align our actions with our soul. And I think that this is a big, important piece because so often, and this can be in a small range of things and in a big range of things, but our soul knows when we're not aligning our actions and we feel that rub. And I think a lot of times we don't know why we feel unfulfilled or just down about things, 
but I feel like it's that rub of not aligning our daily actions with what our soul really yearns for. And so our inner voice can help us get aligned. So what we're feeling on the inside is representative of who we are being and what we are doing on the outside. That's a beautiful explanation. I'm going to put this in front of you because I know that's what I hear a lot when I teach intuitive eating is that I can't feel my hunger, my fullness, my intuition. So I can imagine right now there's women who say, well, that makes a lot of sense, but I don't know how it even comes to me. How do I even hear that voice? Mm -hmm. And I think that this is the starting point, right? Like this is so true because we've lived decades listening to the inner mean girl voice and it's not just that voice. It's all the voices from like our Instagram feed and our Facebook and our friends and our enemies and the media, right? It's so noisy. And so we really have to get quiet in order to begin to listen. And it's not like, okay, I'm going to listen. And then you can do it. It's a skill that we build, we develop it, we practice listening. So I really encourage women just to start with a small portion of the day, five minutes, where they get still, where they quiet the voice in their head, take some deep breaths. This could be through journaling. It could be through meditation. It could be through just sitting still because you know what? Not very many of us just sit still and just listen. And when you start to listen, you start to hear that inner voice and how it's different from the other voices. You can begin to discern what is true and what is not true. And then as we practice, we get better and better and better at it. But it really takes, especially at the beginning, that very concentrated practice of it. And you know, if you don't feel like you hear it the first time or the first 10 times, that doesn't mean that it's not there. I think that you have to have to believe, you have to trust that it's there and you have to listen to even the tiniest sound of that voice and then trust it. And as you do that more and more and you practice on a daily basis, it gets easier and easier. Yeah. I can say that from my own experience, that's how I've discovered my own inner voice. So I spent... I don't know, 20 years, not even knowing it was there. Then somebody told me it was there. I'm like, oh, how interesting. How do we get to it? And then I, I remember, and I shared that a few times on the podcast, I was doing the Deepak Chopra meditation challenge with Oprah. You remember those? Oh, yeah. I, I love those. I don't know if they still exist, but back then they were like the hype. They do. They do still exist. Yeah. So I remember sitting in my office in my house on the floor and putting the meditation on and then listening to Deepak's voice after a minute, I'm like, is it done? This is painful because the mean girl voice is very, very, very loud. Mm. And it's like, it was painful. I like, I'm, oh my God, it's only been a minute. I looked at my watch, opened my eyes. I'm like, oh my God, this has only been a minute. I'll never be able to do this. So do you have any tips or advice for people in that place right now? Start with one minute. Start with one minute and then do two minutes and then do three minutes. And I think always go with grace. So what I mean by that is this is not a performance. 
right? I think we get so caught up in the doing of things and the way things need to look. Like I have to do this right. I am going to sit down and I'm going to meditate right. And that can be such a block to the benefit of meditation because it becomes a performance. When I teach my journaling challenges, I really stress this. Like when you're writing in your journal, that is just for you. No one's ever going to read it. It doesn't matter if it's messy or if there's mistakes or if there's no punctuation. Don't feel like you have to perform because when we get into that space, we're not able to get down into our heart because it becomes about who am I? What am I putting out into the world? How am I looking? Instead of, you know, the center of you. And it just becomes about practicing and practicing. So just like after that first minute, you're like, oh my God, this is terrible. I hate this. Mm -hmm. But you came back and you did it again the next day. And then you did it again the next day. And that's the beauty of challenges like that, because it really gives us an opportunity and a space, you know, like a container of accountability to say, I don't really think I'm that good at this, but I'm going to challenge myself to do it every single day and see what comes of it. And there will be days where you get it and you hear that voice and it's so loud and clear. And there will be other days where your head is just a hot mess and you can't release any of it. And that is all good. It's all good. There's grace enough to cover all of that. And that's all practice. So just keep at it. So keep practicing the quieting of the mind. Now you touched upon journaling, right? Mm -hmm. So is that, that's another way for us to get in touch with that intuitive voice? I think so. It doesn't work for everyone. It is one of my favorite practices. And I'll just share kind of a a practice. It's sort of a pre-practice in journaling to getting to what your inner voice is saying. And I call it clearing space. So I kind of discovered that this worked for myself when I first started doing morning pages. I don't know if you're familiar with The Artist's Way. It's a beautiful book. And the author, I think her name is Julia Cameron. You guys will have to look that up because I'm not positive. But she talks about just writing three pages of stream of consciousness every single morning. (laughs) And so I decided I was going to do that for a month and see what happened. What I discovered is when I give myself, and I don't necessarily need that, you know, three pages or whatever, when I give myself five or 10 minutes of just writing, just whatever comes up, just, it could be my to-do list. It could be like how mad I am at, at my kids because they were fighting yesterday. It could be my worries or my concerns, or it could be anything, just whatever is in my head. I just let it all flow out on the page. And almost always as we clear out and declutter all of that stuff that's in our head, we come to a natural stopping point. And at that point, that's when you're ready. That's when you're ready to listen. And I will literally write down on my page, what do I need to hear? I will ask my inner voice to talk to me. And then whatever comes up, I write it down. And you have to trust that. And you have to know it's not always what you want to hear. I say that our inner voice is loving and kind and compassionate, and she is, but that doesn't mean she just tells us what we want to hear. (laughs) Sometimes it's crazy. Sometimes it's scary. Sometimes your inner voice is asking you to do big things. And sometimes your inner voice just says, I love you. 
You are enough today. You are worthy today. So whatever it is that you need to hear, that's going to come through. So when you have that practice of clearing the space with the journaling, then come to the stopping point. That's a great way to begin tapping in. And what I like about the practice of journaling is that it's very, you know, tactile. So it's, you know, it's like, it's sometimes easier than just sitting and doing nothing, right? Because we have kind of not a goal, but like steps, I need to do this and this, and that makes it a little bit easier. And as you do that work more, then you can get to a place where you can access that inner voice without having to go through all of the steps every time. It's very interesting because the process that you just taught us here is very similar to the process of learning intuitive eating, in which the first step is to give yourself full permission to eat. Mm-hmm. And sometimes that intuition tells you to eat and your other part of your mind says, no, 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 you're going to gain weight. No, 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 don't eat. But your intuition knows that your body needs nourishment, right? It knows that at a mm-hmm. deep level and you have to listen to it for you to break through and to have this clearer relationship with your hunger and fullness. Yeah. And you know, one thing that I love about using eating as a way of practicing connecting with your inner voice, because it absolutely is, is to feel in your body. I believe our inner voice can speak to us through our body. And so when you think about something, how does that make you feel physically? Does it make you feel tight? Does it make your stomach flutter? Does it make your head feel light? And those can be either good or bad, you know. And so a lot of times when we're accessing the inner voice, we can tap into those body feelings. Just like when we are bored and we think, I want to go eat something, we can say, check in. Mm -hmm. Wait, am I hungry? Do I feel hungry right now? What is my body asking me to give it? And that's the same question that we can ask whether the question is food or whether it's what we need to do with our career or whether it's what we need to do in a relationship or whatever. It's the same question and we can access it in the same way. I think the prime example of that is gut feeling with the love of your life, Mm -hmm. right? When we, for those who've had the opportunity to meet the love of their life, you feel it in your stomach, right? You have butterfly. Yeah. Because your soul is speaking to you. That's the same thing you're explaining right now. 100%. 100%. And another practice that I love, and I think of it like trying on a dress. So if you have a big decision coming up, or if you have a choice that you have to make, and really we all have choice our day, our whole life is just from choice to choice, to choice, to choice. Like everything that we do is a choice. So you can practice in the small ways, but I think of it like going into a dressing room and trying on a dress. And I have like two or three dresses to try on. And the minute you put a dress on your body, you know, if it feels good or if it doesn't. And that's something all women can relate to, right? That moment that you go in and you put on the perfect dress and it's like, oh yes. Or if it just doesn't fit right and just doesn't feel right, we can put ideas on ourselves. We can try things on in a time of visualization or meditation and see how that feels. Your body will tell you, and that's your inner voice speaking to you. That's brilliant. Let's go to the intersection between perfectionism and inner voice, 
Because again, that's a very common thread in our community where women will fully recognize that they are perfectionistic. And how does that impact their capacity to tap into their inner voice? Well, perfectionism is the quickest path to block your inner voice. (laughs) Because think about what perfectionism feels like. If you are familiar with perfectionism, what that is, is that's the voice in your head that says, that wasn't good enough. You didn't try hard enough. Look at the mess you made of that. Or you did that, but they did better. You did that, but what's the next step? How are you going to continue to improve? And I think it's so interesting because I think both of us are in this place of self-development. The work that we do is about self-development, but I think that there's a really fine line between wanting more for your life and feeling like you have to be better in order to deserve more. Whoa. And that I have to be honest, I will be completely transparent. This is always a line that I am thinking about in every single thing that I do in every choice that I make. I have to ask myself this question. Why am I wanting this? Is it because I feel like I need that in order to deserve something or in order to be something, or is it because that's where my heart is asking me to go? And I think that that's something where perfectionism, if we're not really aware, can step in the way and we see everyone else achieving for achievement's sake. And this is so obvious when it comes to weight, right? Why do you feel like you have to weigh a certain amount? Who says that? Who's the person who said that you need to weigh this much? And we get this in our head that when we get to that weight, that that's going to mean that we're there, that we've made it. And the problem is no matter what the goal is, if it's set to be achieved in order to help you feel like you've made it, once you get there, you never feel like you've made it. So then there has to be another and another and another. So this systematic perfectionism, always wanting to be better, blocks us from listening to our inner voice and being able to access, again, those actions that are aligned with our soul's true purpose. And so when we're doing the actions that are not aligned, we're always feeling the friction of not being aligned, which then makes us want to do more that's going to relieve us of that friction. So we look outward instead of going inward. And it's just this cycle of overachieving and feeling exhausted and feeling not good enough and like needing another gold star or another pat on the back. And I really think of it as an addiction. So for me, I consider myself a recovering perfectionist. I am still a perfectionist. That is what my mind will always go to first. Can I do this as well as I need to do it? Well, if I can't, should I? Maybe I just shouldn't do it because I'm never going to be able to be as good as so-and-so or I'm never going to be at the top. So it can keep us from doing big things in that way because we feel frozen or it can make us do things that we never really wanted to do to begin with. So just like someone who is recovering from any addiction, we have to be really mindful of our intentions of the why behind all of the choices that we're making. And I tell you what, it's so funny. 
I've been doing this work a really long time, Stephanie, and my perfectionism will pop up and just like punch me in the face. And I'll be like, what the hell? <laughs> like, where is this coming from? I have done the work. And, you know, I can step back and I can see it as like this opportunity to go that much deeper, to give myself another chance to love myself so fully and know that I'm never going to be perfect and that I'm exactly the way I should be, even though that I'm not perfect. It's just another opportunity to live with compassion for myself, which then helps us to live with compassion for other people. So while it can really keep us stuck, it also gives us this amazing opportunity to love ourselves and others so much more deeply when we can see it as that. I think what you're describing here is allowing perfectionism to become your teacher. Yes. Oh, that's such a good way to, to say it. Exactly right. First, we need to become conscious that we're perfectionistic, and then we have to be willing to not be. And then instead of judging it, we become curious around it. Mm -hmm. Yeah. I love that word curious so much because when we're curious about the choices that we're making, when we're curious about the thoughts that we're thinking, you know, so often a thought will come into our head and we will just go with that. Like, okay, well that must be true. I'm thinking it. But when we take a moment to become curious about the why and about, oh, I don't have to believe that, you know, you see yourself in a picture and you think, oh, look at me, you know, look at my big fat butt or whatever that horrible mean girl thought says, like, we don't have to buy into that. We can take a moment. We can say, huh, isn't that interesting? Where's that coming from? What is that saying to me right now? Where do I have an opportunity to turn that around and to love myself more and to allow my inner voice to nurture and heal those thoughts instead of immediately feeling like the only way to fix that is to go on a restrictive diet or to work myself to death in the gym or whatever. Or to stay in a job that I truly don't like and makes me feel miserable. Oh, well, yeah. (laughs) Yes. Or to stay in a relationship that's not serving me. Yeah. Or to live in a city that is not serving me. I think these are the big things that we're talking about. And the beauty of listening to your inner voices, well, number one, it's going to tell you the opinion on all of the things. And you can start small. You can start with going into your closet and asking your inner voice, what should I wear today? What's going to make me feel amazing today? Like that is such a small way to begin. And then dressing becomes an act of self-care. And then you go down into the kitchen and you ask your body what it feels like eating. And it tells you and you listen. And then you feel great after that. And so now you have proof that when I listen to my inner voice, I feel amazing in my body. I feel energized. And so then you get in your car and you decide which podcast you're going to listen to by saying, what should I listen to now? Take a minute, take a breath, 15 seconds, then it comes to you. And then you hear the words that you exactly needed to hear that day. Or maybe you decide to listen to music because you need to 
not listen to what everyone else is saying right now. Mm -hmm. So it's just like choice by choice by choice in the small things. And then it gets easier to listen and trust in the big things. So when you're looking at that job and you're like, I cannot do this another day, you ask your inner voice, okay, well, what does that mean? How do I work this? And she will tell you. It's basically love versus fear. You know, I don't think they fight. Mm -hmm. Okay. I don't think it's love versus, I think it's love and fear. You know, it's love saying to fear, it's okay. I've got you. Yes, it's scary, but trust me. I know the way I have the map Hmm. and the fear can't always see the map. But when we put our trust in that love, then we know that we're going to be okay. That doesn't mean it's not scary. It's really scary. And, you know, I like to think of fear as like I'm driving down the road and say I'm going to New York City and I see a sign, one of those in America, they're green, green signs that says New York City, 357 miles. That's my fear. And it's saying you're going the right way. Keep going. Keep going. So when the, when the fear pops up, I'm like, okay, that means I'm doing the right thing. Because if it didn't feel scary, we're not growing. We're not pushing outside of our boundaries. We're not opening ourselves to something more. So that pops a question. My intuition is popping a question right now in my head that says, so then why so many of us live by fear? So I'll take the example of dieting. Dieting is a pure fear reaction, right? We are afraid of gaining weight or not losing the weight, whatever the thing is. And we decide to engage in life from that place of fear. And then we're put in front of a perhaps a position like mine that says, but it's okay, you can accept your body. But you're like, oh, no, that's too scary. I'm choosing fear instead. Mm-hmm. Well, because that's safe. Hmm. I mean, we think that that's safe. Yes. It feels safe. If we feel fearful about something, then we think, well, I'm going to retreat. I'm not going to go there. And then that's going to keep me safe. The problem with that is we're not talking about walking out into traffic kind of fear. We're talking about a fear that is something that's going to help us grow. But those two fears feel the same way. Yes. And until we start to discern what is real fear, the fear that really does keep us alive, and what is sort of the fear that has just been taught to us, then we're always going to be stuck. We're always going to be stuck. But that comes from our caveman days when anything that we would like walking outside of the cave could mean death. So every choice was life or death. We are fortunate enough to live in a day and age where that's not true, but our brain hasn't caught on to that yet. (laughs) And so everything is like, no, 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 it's scary. But you know, what really I think we need to talk about when we're talking about living in fear is we pull back and we stay stuck in the place where we hate where we don't want to be, where we don't feel good. And so, yes, it's scary, but do you want to stay where you are? Do you want to keep going to the job that makes you miserable? Do you want to keep, you know, looking at every single picture and hating what you see and feeling like the only way to deal with that is to like eat, you know, broccoli all day long and that's it. 
we get to choose that. We get to choose how we're going to feel. And I think we have to all come to this point where enough is enough. Like I can't stand to feel this rub, this friction one more day. And then that's what gives us the courage to say, okay, I'm going to dip my toe in. Come along fear. I'm going with you. You can come along for the ride, but you're not going to keep me stuck anymore. So here's where my intuition goes next. I interview a lot by intuition. Good. Me too. <laughs> my intuition, it says, by the way, you have an amazing podcast that we're going to link in the show note, the inner voice podcast. So you girls should go and listen to that. So I'm going to challenge you to the next piece to say, how much of that is worthiness, self-esteem? So here's what I hear a lot in the context of food and body image, but I need to suffer. Oh. Do you know what I'm saying? Like, perhaps the same goes in the context of relationship. That's your field of specialty. But like, if I don't stay with him or her, who am I going to get? Or I don't deserve anything better. Mm. That's an interesting question, because I think that self-esteem and worthiness are different. So for me, worthiness is about understanding on a deep, deep level that every single person walking the face of this earth was put here for a reason. And we are no less or more worthy today than the day that we were born. Worthiness is not something that we gain or lose based on what we do or what we don't do. Worthiness is inherent in us because we are alive and we all matter each and every one of us matter. And so that to me is the first step to understanding what good self-esteem is. But I think self-esteem can be a little bit different because that is so linked to action. And I think worthiness, it's about being. And to me, that's been one of the biggest turning points of self-love is to understand, you know, when I was born, and my mother held me in her arms, she would have done anything for me. And I had done nothing. I had done nothing. I was like this teeny tiny baby. And yet I was worthy of that love. And that is still true today. Even though I've messed up and even though I'm not perfect and even though I don't do everything right and even though I make bad choices, right? Like that's still true, that deep worthiness. And this is something that my inner voice tells me all of the time. I get to that point in my journaling and I ask my inner voice, what do I need to hear today? And she says to me almost every single time, you are worthy. You are loved. You are enough. And when we begin at that point and then take steps outside from that place, every intention we have in our action becomes different. So we look at the relationship and we say, I am worthy, which means I am worthy of being loved the way I need to be loved. And if that means that I start with loving myself that way, then that's what I need to do. I am worthy of loving the body that I have been given. And if that means I need to go buy bigger clothes so I feel comfortable in that body, that's what I need to do. And if that means that I need to go to the gym because it feels good and powerful to move that body, no matter what size it is, that's what I need to do. It's not the container that makes you worthy. It's not the 
bank account that makes you worthy. It's not the relationship. The worthiness starts from inside. And that to me is such a healing balm to perfectionism, to low self-esteem, to fear, (laughs) to all of those things, to overachieving. I feel like many of us have become chronic overachievers being busy for the sake of being busy. And, you know, that is not the way our bodies were born to work. And that's not the way our heart was born to feel. So if you start from worthy and you heal yourself from the inside out in that way, and it becomes very, very powerful. So we can say that if you're journaling and your journaling or your inner voice tells you that you must struggle to get X, then that's probably fear speaking to you, not your inner voice. Well, and you know, struggle, I think struggle is a really interesting concept and I think it comes through generations. Mm -hmm. So, you know, we believe certain things and we have certain philosophies on things because our mom and dad did and their mom and dad did and their mom and dad did. And it's interesting because as we grow and I feel like 35, 40, like that time in a woman's life is when she starts to realize, oh, wait a minute. I don't actually believe that. And there's a lot of layers there that we can start to unravel and unwind. And we can choose that. You can choose to believe that you have to suffer. And guess what? You will suffer. (laughs) But you can also choose to believe that you don't have to suffer, that you can love yourself now, that you can be happy, that you can be joyful. And that is a wonderful thing. And so that's really a mindset shift. And it's unraveling all of those layers of belief that have been put on us from the minute that we were born. And that takes a lot of undoing. And that's a word I love, right? when we begin to undo all of that, when we begin to let it go, I like to think of it, I see myself as like going through fire and like layers of it get burnt off. And the the burning off is challenging. You know, it can be uncomfortable. It can really push us because we have to, you know, say to our parents, no, I don't agree with you. No, I don't. I don't believe this anymore. And so a good place to start is to think about things that you easily shed and remind yourself how freeing that felt. And then, you know, know that you don't have to hold on to that. It's a great analogy to get us wrapped up, but I explain it as peeling the onion. Yeah. Uh So in the context of food, we start with like mindset, emotion, and we get, we get, we get. And then I finish with them at the intuitive eating part and like, Trust me, there's more layers that are about to come because the rest of your life will now be, well, what about this? And what about this? Right. And I see that in people who've done the program a year or two from now, like they're now changing their practice. They're like changing their job because they've started that movement of peeling the layer of the onion. Mm -hmm. Well, and I think that keeps people from starting sometimes because they feel like, well, I don't know if I want to go there. But I will say from personal experience, oh my gosh, it's the best place ever to be able to have the privilege of like unpeeling those layers and to know and to be okay with the fact that there's always going to be more layers. 
always like, that's to me what life is. Life is about this journey of understanding of getting back to who we really are and understanding that in a deep, deep way and being, you know, flexible and being open to change and all of those things. We don't ever have to dig our heels in because that's the way we think we have to be. Like there's always some new direction that we can go and our inner voice will always do a good job of guiding us through that. To the people who think or are afraid of that, what would you say to them? You choose. Are you happy and joyful where you are? You get to choose that. Do you feel fulfilled? Do you feel worthy? Do you love yourself? And if the answer is no to those questions, you get to choose that. You can stay where you are or you can move forward. And the beauty of that is courage is not doing something without fear. Hmm. You know, everyone's afraid. Everyone's afraid. And you may look at Stephanie or at me and say, well, she must be more brave than me. No, mm -mm. No, we have done it and we continue to do it and we do it not because we are more brave, but we do it because we know how good it feels. And we know that feeling of coming into ourselves and loving ourselves so fully that it doesn't matter if someone tells me I don't love you because I know that I am loved and I know that I am worthy. Hmm, beautiful way. So how can people take the next step with you? Well, if you really love what you're hearing and you feel like, gosh, I would love to dig in more, I do one-on-one -on -one coaching and you can find out all about my coaching services on my website, kellycovert.com. And then I also encourage you to tap into my podcast too. Stephanie's going to be on it in a couple of weeks and I have all kinds of amazing guests. And then I also do solo shows too, where I just dive into a topic that I've been living. And I really believe in teaching women the process of understanding who they are by listening to their inner voice. And one of my superpowers is listening. And when I listen to other people, often I can hear what their inner voice is saying. So I will reflect back and I'll say, this is what I hear you saying. And they're like, oh yeah. So when you work with me, it's just sort of a faster way to develop that practice of being connected with your inner voice and of being held accountable to check in, to do the practice of that. So, and I'm also over on Instagram, which is one of my faves at Kelly J Covert. So connect with me there and I was uh, loving watching all of Stephanie's stories. They're becoming some of my favorites. So thank you. So we'll link to all of that guys in the show note. It was a pleasure having this conversation with you, Kelly, because I truly believe from the bottom of my heart that our work intersect. Definitely. Either people have done the work outside and they're like, oh my God, I can apply that to food. Or they've done the work into food and they're like, oh my God, I can apply that to the rest of my life. So I think yeah. we're... Great fit here. So thank you for having been here. Thank you so much for having me. It was my pleasure. So there you have it, ladies. You're going to be able to find that inner voice, that intuitive voice for yourself. So the takeaway from today's episode is to do the journaling exercise that Kelly walk us through in the podcast and share your result with us on social media and perhaps even leave us a review on the podcast if you thought this episode was really good for you. 
Our next episode is going to be on something that I've been wanting to talk about for a long time, but never found the right guest to do so. We're going to talk about set point. So if you don't know what set point is, set point is the theory behind weight management in human being on how our metabolism the human metabolism manages weight. That's called set point. And I use the word theory because there's it only at the beginning of the research in that field. And Chris from England is going to come over and talk to us about that. So you got to listen to it. I think it's an intellectual level of knowledge that we should all have. And that's going to help you get past this whole diet culture syndrome that we're all victim of. So I love you girls and I look forward to see you again on the next podcast.